I've been telling everybody this is probably the best I've felt in a couple years. Um, I had knee surgery in September, and uh, you know, a couple years for the years prior to this year, I wasn't even able to chase my kids around in the yard because it was uh, bothering me so bad. But uh, I was able to play with it at times. But uh, it's been taken care of, and I feel great right now. I really do. I'm excited. I'm excited that my body feels this good going into spring training. Well, there you go, Barker. I hope his body does feel good because it does appear as if Brandon Belt, who we just heard from, is going to play a really significant role in this lineup this year, which is great if you're getting the Brandon Belt of a couple of years ago. Not so great if you're getting the 34-year-old dude who was injured last year. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> It's too early for me to be that guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, it's, I'm just uh, just throwing it out there as uh, reality, man. I know I know why you're doing this, trying to set me up to where I'm going to be that guy this early in the season, and I'm not going to be. And I'm happy for him that he's healthy and you need a good base. Yes. But you do some digging into his stats. Now, I understand he hits he's been hitting in his career in a graveyard. And the greatest hitter on planet Earth who's ever walked and carried a baseball bat's the only dude can go line to line there in that park. So I sort of understand why you would look at his stats and go, he's only hit 20 homers one time in his career. See, I didn't he's do only that. You did that. RBIs. I didn't do well, that. All you we did that. Doing, all we've been I doing do since that. he's been here is trying to figure out, is he hitting third or fourth? Okay, if you hit fourth, I don't care what your own base percentage is. I care about what your slugging is. Can you drive in runs? Can you hit homers? Because you're going to have three dudes hitting in front of you, especially in that little short porch See, now I at think- the Rogers Center with the with the fences being moved in that you need to do certain things like that. So See, I, 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 hope, I hope he's really, really healthy, and I hope mm. he can do those kind of things because mm. that, that park's going to help him playing his home games where he's going to play them this year compared to where he's been playing him in his career is going to help him a lot and it's going to raise those numbers. But is he a cleanup hitter for the Toronto Blue Jays? I think that's the big question here. The What I what I found fascinating about this, I actually did some digging too. Ooh. But I went past baseball reference. You did? I went into fan graphs. Wow, that's, that's khaki territory. <laughs> <laughs> since 2020, if you look at his numbers since 2020, yeah. he absolutely, absolutely mashes righty breaking balls. And the reason huh. I'm mentioning that is I think a lot of the discussion in camp is going to be around the lineup, obviously, because there are a lot of, you know, John Schneider has a lot of options available to him right now. And until these guys get hurt or show they can't do it, they are indeed options. So the discussion already has been, all right, where do you put Brandon Belt in the lineup? Because I think we all agree that Kevin Kiermaier is probably going to be at the bottom. I, I don't know about Dalton Varsho. We can deal with that later. But the thinking seems to be that Brandon Belt and Bo Bichette are going to see somehow in some way are going to see some time in the cleanup spot. And there's a little hint, I think, in some of the, the thought here, in one of John Schneider's interviews mm. yesterday where he talked about, and, and this isn't rocket science. Shy talks about it in his column as well. It's no longer lefty versus righty. It's all about swing pass. It's all about... I mean, there's so much information out there now that you know what pitch a guy can hit best in which count. And I think mm. we're going to see a lot of that. Now, I know John Schneider wants, he's talked about wanting stability in the lineup. 
to me, I don't know how you feel about this, Kevin, but to me, the stability of the lineup is going to be at the top. It's going to be at the bottom. It, John Schneider can talk about consistency all he wants. You know how he manages. If somebody goes in a heater, they're going to be moved up. Conversely, if somebody yeah. hits the skids a bit, uh, they're going to be. I, I think, uh, and, and we asked the question, we asked the question of uh, listeners and podcast followers. And again, DMs are always open. It's SN Jeff Blair. We asked the question as to which of the Jays' new acquisitions do you think will be the most important this year? And we'll, we'll, we'll get to some of those answers. But this is why I'm really intrigued by Dalton Varsho. Mm. Because I think once you find out what Dalton Varsho is, the potential is there because of his speed. Okay. The potential is there to have him hit. And I know what you're going to say. Jeff, who would you rather give the extra bat to, Dalton Varsho or Bo Bichette? Clearly, I'd rather give it to Bo Bichette. But the other question is, who do I want hitting cleanup with Teoscar gone? Alejandro Kirk? I need more than opposite field singles out of my cleanup hitter. Brandon Belt, healthy? He's an option. He hasn't been healthy for a while. Healthy, he's an option. What are your other options? Matt Chapman? Don't know about that. I mean, you're you're replacing whatever you may think of Teoscar Hernandez. You're replacing a lot of power. You're replacing two years worth of good power there. And I think almost, and I know Ben Wagner talked about this as well, when, when you look at the way this thing shakes out, I almost think... It, it inevitably points to Bo being cleanup, which he did mm. last year. He scuffled in cleanup at cleanup spot. He was not good the year before. That was where he was most productive in the cleanup spot. So, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. You, you could al- almost say with the Teoscar Hernandez thing being gone, how do you make up for that? Well, if you get 130 game ish yeah. from Springer, that would probably make up for it. If you get another tier from Vladdy, yep. from what you got last year, and I can just, the, I got to be honest with you, the first time <laughs> I ever heard the fences being moved in, I thought about right center, Buffalo, not having to hit the ball as hard, create a little backspin on the ball down. What did they yell and scream? The khakis yes. and every hitting coach that was around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. saying that, oh, the, the adjustment that everybody's made is the ball down. Now he has to figure out how to hit it. No, he don't. He's so good at hitting everything else. Right. Why don't you just give him that? And if they can throw it down there three times for strikes, you tip your hat, you walk away. And I just don't think they can consistently do that. So I think for me, you got to ask yourself, don't overthink this thing. Who's your best three hitters? Who's your best three? Name them. Springer, Vladdy, and Bichette. Why Why overthink it? You can move Bo and Vladdy around. You want to put Vladdy in the two-hole and you put Bo behind him because he drives in more runs. Okay. You get him up in the first inning. You get them more at-bats than the fourth, the fifth, the six-hole hitters. That's the point. Mm. Is your best hitters you want up more times than not? What do they yell and scream about Vladdy I want one of my second? Yeah, but I want... he's going to get 20 more at-bats. That could be two right. more wins. You could make the playoffs because they missed my... the playoffs by I, a game. I, I, also can't, I also can't just leave the cleanup spot as a black hole given the fact that I've got I would, three guys who are going to be who, would, who are going to be on I base. would find it hard to believe that you brought a everyday DH in in belt but, yeah, and who's a three-time world series Kevin, winner we're, but and we're not talking hitting about, cleanup Kevin we're talking like, you're making it say, you're making it sound here. you're making it sound like this is a guy who hit 40 home runs last year and is making 25 million a year he's not what's he making 9 million a year like, this is a bargain signing. It, this is the, the Jays buying low and hoping for a bounce back. 
mean, it just is. You're you're not, mm. and and that uh, okay, maybe that's you? something that that you know maybe I, that's something that ought to concern us. But God Almighty, it's not like Brandon Belt is the signature signing of the offseason. I understand that you're saying hit Bo Bichette, clean up, leave him there, and I know they're going to try and get a lineup to where they're not moving them around all the time because they think they ment- mentally can't handle that. Me, I want my best guys up in the first inning. Is Bo one of them? Because now if that's not the case, then he's coming up leading off innings, and I really don't want that. I would rather him come up with Vlad that's just hit a inning. double. We're, we're, you go to right center. No, it's not it could be the ninth inning. It could be the eighth inning when the game's on the line, and you're getting him up when it matters the most. Do you want Brandon build up? Do you want show up, or do you want Bo Bichette up? That's the thing you got to ask yourself. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you got so many good names. Now that you have balance, don't overthink it. Who's your best three guys? Put them there and then fill in the blanks everywhere else. With who's hot? I would bet opening day with a righty on the mound in St. Louis, Brandon Belt will be hitting cleanup. Yeah, if he's healthy, he'll be. I I would think he would be. Well, we're going to knock on wood and say hopefully he is because he says he is. But I I think think that as the season goes on, I think you're going to see Bo in that spot a fair amount. Because... I just do. I I have more I have more confidence in Bo Bichette hitting for extra bases this year than I do for Brandon Belt right now. I mean, if I'm wrong, great, perfect. But you know, let's not again. We're 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 making it sound like like Brandon Belt is a surefire. You know, the, I, the, the surefire think, acquisition. A, he was I a said, bargain basement acquisition. I think man. I said I don't want to be that guy. He's hit 20 homers once. Well, yeah. So, no, I'm not the one. I'm not the one doing that. But you just are. You're saying he's got to be. He's going to be the cleanup hitter. He's no, going to be the cleanup. No, That's because the premium you said, RBI you position. You said Bo was going to hit cleanup, and I said I want my best three hitters hitting one, two, three. And then you can put whoever in the cleanup spot. Uh, well, yeah, who's ever hot? If that's if you're that's a two twenty hitting that's dude Alejandro in the cleanup Kirk, spot, who can use the entire field and hit velocity, absolutely. Anyhow, you know it's all going to be solved. By John Schneider. We'll get a chance to see it in spring training. First game. Spring training starts on the 25th. By the way, Sportsnet's producing all 16 Jays home games this year. So the 25th is the first game of the year, uh, the first Grapefruit League game of the year uh, against Pittsburgh. And we'll get a chance. We'll we'll get a chance early because uh, I would imagine with the World Baseball Classic and with guys leaving their team someplace around the 9th or 10th, I would imagine the Jays would like to get Get a look at some of their some of their guys. Uh, it's just another reason that spring training games are going to be so fascinating this year. Yeah, they really they really are. Uh, we asked a Twitter question again: expectations for the Jays' newest acquisitions. Who do you think? Who do you think will be the most important uh, acquisition? I'm going to kind of keep a running tally here. So far, so far, uh, it's 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 Chris Bassett and Dalton Varsho. And a tide. I think a lot of people are looking at Brandon Belt, and a lot of people are saying the same thing uh, about Brandon Belt. Yeah, healthy. Essentially, what people are saying: get back to me in May. Get back to me in May point. with Brandon Belt. And uh, Tim Britton is the Mets reporter with the Athletic. He's going to join us later on in the show. I understand that we're all tied up with the Blue Jays. First full workouts are today. All this good stuff. But, man, the story in baseball right now, the only thing anybody's talking about in other camps is the Mets payroll for a variety of reasons. One, the rise in the Mets payroll has coincided with some serious issues for some of the regional sports networks in the United States. And a lot of teams that are upset about the amount of money the Mets are spending 
are now dealing with the possibility that they will have less in TV revenue in the immediate future. The commissioner of baseball, but, uh, Bud Selig almost said it, the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, has struck an economic advisory committee. Here's something I know. Whenever anybody strikes a committee, things are going in the crapper. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are. You don't have a committee when things are. You don't need You don't need to put a committee together to say, hey, we're all doing well. What yeah. are we doing well? You put a committee together when things are going in the crapper. Mm-hmm. And what we're already hearing, and folks, we're only in the second year of the CBA. What we're already hearing is, you know, maybe you need a salary cap and a salary floor oh. in baseball. A hard salary cap. Bo Bichette talked about, hey, the arbitration system isn't working. Some people are saying, hey, maybe we need restricted free agency and then unrestricted free agency. And the Players Association has fought so long and so hard. And here you go, one year into the new CBA, the owners are already getting ready and they're already getting together and trying to figure out how we're going to overhaul the economic system. And a lot of this, I would say 95% of this comes from the fact that you got a guy running the Mets and Steve Cohen is just... God love them. It should all spend. Luxury tax. I, I don't got know. It. Whatever. I got it. I'm spending. Buy some more crypto or whatever. I'll sell a shopping center. I'm really uh, rich. Yeah, I'm, I'm rich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so rich that I literally <laughs> don't care. I know. So we'll talk to Tim Britton about that because that That'd is be great, the, the talk around spring training, uh, the New York Mets. And that will be the case at least until we get the first Shohei Otane rumor, which my guess is probably going to be He's sometime going to next week. He's not going to the Dodgers. Oh, uh, he will be a Dodger next year. I don't. Th- I th- I'll say this right now. I don't think he goes anywhere this year. I don't think the Angels have a choice. The Angels will keep him this year, and they'll let him walk. No, Sometimes they've enough pieces to try and make a little run at it. They got good enough players too. Redone's yeah. coming back. He's healthy. So, so you're going to trade Shohei Otani to make he a run? No, that's what I'm saying. And then at the Plus end of the year, I think under it's under 500. At the end of the year, you say goodbye to him. And sometimes it just happens. It's going to cost you 500 million. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's where the Dodgers step up. But there will be a feeding frenzy for him. Will there? Oh yeah. Well, how, uh, how many teams can afford five hundred million? Uh, there'll be a handful. There'll be a few. There'll be. I, I, I would. Yeah, I would think the Jays have to at least make a call. I mean, you got to make a call. You got to make a call. Well, it starts with a five. So if you can afford a five, you got at least some zeros behind. You got to kick the tires on it. <laughs> you you have to. That's a lot of tires. That's a lot of tires. <laughs> But it's also a dude that's going to maybe win a Cy Young award well, or an MVP award for you. And hit a lot of homers. And hit a lot of homers. And hit, where would he hit? Yeah. Boy, that would make me not have to yell at you about exactly. Brandon Bell, would it? Exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we mentioned today is the first full workout for the Blue Jays. Yeah, and guys have been arriving in camp. Guys that live in Florida have probably been in the facility for ever. Forever. So the sort of the first full workout basically means Hopefully you get all your visa visa issues solved. Hopefully you you know you have your medicals, you're out there, you're ready to go, et cetera, et cetera. Generally, the manager does a little spiel before he gets the guys around in the field and they talk about just kind of this is what we want to focus on this year. And you it's know closed doors most of the time. No, a lot of don't want people like you listening. No, a lot of times it's out in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the outfield where no one can hear. Those. The Jays had g- maybe gave, that was field one. No, I was on like no, I was gonna <laughs> field say four. I was gonna say now uh, you <laughs> call know, me and it's let entirely, me know what you said. It's entirely possible <laughs> that the dudes who are in minor league camp weren't invited to the opening day. I wasn't thing. in minor league camp. But thank Kate, you very but much. What I'm saying is, let me finish. I wanted to ask you because you played for some pretty good managers. You played for some <laughs> dudes who 
Like Bunch. Dusty Baker, Bosch, I'm sure they yeah. give good speeches. Tell me the speech you remember the most where when it was done, you said, God, we're going to win the World Series. You, I can't wait. Yeah, well, yeah, take that to the minor leagues. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> take, take that okay. rah-rah speech to the minor leagues. I got to be honest with you, and and don't don't take that. I knew you wanted me to come up with something <laughs> good here. I did. Yeah, I got to. You got to remember now. We're grown men sitting in this room. Been sitting around forever. Most of the time, we're coming from cold places. We just want to get out in the warmth. Like, we don't want to listen to you talk. Most of the time, I'll bet you you could ask them, as soon as they left the room, what did he say? They'd look at you like you had four heads. I was one of those people. So to answer your question, I have no idea. I saw their okay. lips moving. And I, and I think this is where, now, the Blue Jays may be different. Yeah. Maybe we every one of those guys are sitting in there and just can't wait to listen to John Snyder talk and Don Maddox, and I'm sure he's going to stand up and say something. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not like that. I think it varies. <clears throat> it varies from team to team. And I, and, I, and I think, I mean, I remember it most in previous years but because there were there was a time where guys didn't show up until you reported on this day you did yeah, your medicals money, right well, that yeah. was money yeah you yeah. reported on this day you did your medicals you're out on the field so the manager really hasn't you haven't maybe other than a phone call you haven't really talked to the manager all year so the you know buck rogers people like get gather the players in center field you'd have the pr staff Come out and just kind of say to the players, okay, these are our media rules. These are the responsibilities, yada, yada, et cetera. I don't know if they still do that anymore because, to be honest, I think the last time I was in spring training for the first day was probably about eight years ago. Normally, I went down halfway through uh, spring training. But so I don't know. Now, we'll, we we'll, Rod we'll, Carew, like the separation we'll thing. We'll ask John you'd Schneider. Have hitters, you'd have infielders. That's you'd what I was going to get. You'd have the certain coaches that would go and say, yeah. you know, let's work on this. Let's get good jumps. This is what we didn't do well last year. Most contending teams don't have huge turnover, right? It just doesn't work That's that fair. way, right? And you got guys who were there last year and know sort of what you need to work on. And the coaches is coming out saying, remember, you, we didn't do a real good job of hitting the cutoff guy, and that's something. So I think it's very individual. I, mean, I don't want to downplay what John Snyder's going to say. Oh, he may not say anything. He's going to say something because they're, they're doing more PFPs. So I'm sure the conversation will be, let's think about the little things and the new rules, and let's not let that overwhelm what's between the ears. Go out and play your game. How was I? I should be a, I should be a manager. I'm sure it'll be like that, and everybody will go, rah, let's go get him, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then it's let's about. Let's go get him. All right, let's go do some PFP. Absolutely, oh, and then it's about how good you're pitching, and can you play good defense, and can you get a hit when it matters, and can you not beat yourself? It's I, Again, I get back to this, and I don't want to downplay what the manager brings, All right. but I'm just – I think for me anyway, it's the more about the coach. talent and it's more about the, the coaches. Coach. It's like Pete Walker. We talk about how good Pete Walker is all the time. It's more about the individual conversations. It's like the Jose Barrios. You want to know the first thing I thought of whenever the, when Shai Davidi came on and said he's doing all these things, he's reinventing the wheel. You know the first person I thought of? What? Poor little Pete Walker that you just dropped $130 million on a guy and now he's got to go out there and tell him, stay centered and and keep your glove close to your body and when that player should be telling the coach that that's the point so you know it, it's i think this is where you sort of try and have fun with it you try and make spring training as fun as possible they know what they're trying to do where they're trying to go did you wear sliding pants in. 
Yeah, everybody does. They oh, still do that? We're sliding question. pants? Pants that are, for folks who are they're pants that sliding are padded. shorts? Un- no. Pants that are padded. Who, Guys who slide. Who they used They used to have that. They who? used to have sliding pants. Like the, the pitchers would be, this is when pitchers were hitting. But guys, would be, they'd work on sliding into the bag, and they'd I have these never, little, they'd have padded one. pants. They I did. wish I would have seen that. And they did. No, no. I remember the Meyer Leagues. I can't remember the, the field coordinator that did this, but dropped trowels. Trousers and showed us how to put our socks on and yeah, from the ground up, he liked to say. Yeah. So it's different. All right. Different places you go and you were told how to dress. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's like like you've never done it before. We need to tell you how to do it. Were you a stirrup or high side? Hide them as much as possible. Hang them over my spikes and absolutely. Okay. And then I went I to the Reds and, 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 and the AAA team, you have to wear them at the knee. Well, the Reds had rules, awful. right? Yeah. It's awful. Like no facial hair, no, couldn't, you had to wear half a pant. What was this? Okay, That's here's terrible. What, what was the. Wrong man. What was the. Rick mo- Sweet was my manager. What was the strictest camp you were in? I and th- I'd say early days with the Brewers was pretty. That was the guy that dropped his Davey pants Lopes. And, and showed me how. No. No, who? Davey oh. Lopes. <laughs> Well, he was a manager. I can't remember who the field coordinator okay. was in, in 96 when I was drafted. Yeah. But it was pretty strict then. That's when you're telling everybody how to dress. And right. it's very structured. It's that way in the minor leagues, I think, everywhere you go. Like, they want to basically tell you how to live your life. Mm-hmm. Which, maybe it's changed now and maybe you have a little bit more rain to do what you want. Because they're making a lot more money now. Like, you're paying them minor leaguers a lot more money than they used to be paid, right? Yeah. Like, there's... So, yeah, I think that was pretty strict. The Reds, when you didn't have any facial hair and then half the pan, I thought that was a little silly because we're grown men and telling me how to put my pants on. And I'm an individual. Why shouldn't I hit just like everybody else? Why shouldn't I throw the same way then? Well, make me do that that way. So that was me and Sweetie used to have this conversation all the time on the bus. And thank goodness I'd go over for four, three punches. Thank goodness I got half a pan on. At least I looked good when I, was, when I struck out. So, you know, it was good conversation back and forth. What was, I don't know if anybody has fun in spring training, but what was the spring training where you felt that you... I'd say Bo Bichette with the 33 and a halfs having a decent amount of fun. Yeah, I think he's having pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm was sure it, Was there spring training, though, where you, you just... Because, uh, look, you, you know, we had a, a, a listener uh, write in yesterday and said how much he actually, he, he enjoyed hearing you talk about the how a minor leaguer, how a guy in the cusp, views spring training compared to other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, David Wedge, uh, David, thanks for the uh, DM and thank you for the kind words. Uh, he said, I want you to thank Kevin for me, not in the air, just a thanks, but saying, you know, it's easy for us not in the game to think uh, a chance to beat spring training would amazing would be amazing. But listening to him to, to describe going through when you have no money and fighting over the 26 man mm-hmm. uh, really got to me. And, and that is true. People do, do like, like to hear this, but was there, was there a spring training where you just, Kevin, you just felt so good. It was like you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. The game was fun. Um, you know, you were just that, that was, that was your spring. Was it the one where you broke camp? Yeah, I think so. When I first got drafted and I first went to camp and it was new to me and I, you know, I'd made some decent amount of money when I was drafted and I was going in there sort of the guy, right. That, that everybody was looking towards and, 
This is the next first baseman for the for the Milwaukee was there any Brewers. Doubt, was there any doubt you were going to make the team? Like, did the manager ha- call you in? The day no, before? I sort of knew where I was okay. going. You know, it's I think 2000s when I really had an opportunity to act like a George Springer, act like a Bo right. Bichette, act like a Vladdy, not caring the results on the field so much of. You know, going to the batting cage, and if I wanted to work on a leg kick or filleting a ball over the third baseman's head, mm-hmm. like Rod Carew wanted me to do, it was at least I could work on it and I could take it and apply it to the game. It didn't really matter if I grounded out to second. Right. I'd already made the team. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're the 26th guy, mm-mm, get away from me. I'm not leg kicking to the ear. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to impress. I'm going to sit over there for two and a half hours until the fifth inning. And then I'm going to come in for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I'm going to try and impress that way. And the only way I can do that is to be as short and quick as I possibly can and maybe drive a ball to left center and impress and try and make a team that way. So it is very it's very individual. It's like the Blue Jays. They really have nobody on here, right? Nathan yeah. Lucas is probably the only guy that's trying to make a team, and he's probably actually going to try. Best, everybody, then there's everybody else. Best spring training site. To work out, best like best best spring training site. A lot of places in Arizona are. I was Arizona are better excellent. in Florida, right? Well, you know, I mean, if, no. If you gave most players Florida's a choice, windy, I think a lot. Yeah, and a lot of people like to, you know, off season they live in both of those places. Right. So it's very individual, right? It's where your family's Arizona, at. everything's close, though, for the most part, right? Like Tucson was the farthest uh, was the farthest bus ride. It is. I think the Rockies yeah. were really the far. Rockies I can't remember the name of that place, but I, it's, it was very, very far. The Rockies were. Somebody I, was I in Tucson. They may have been in they may may have been in Tucson. When I played, I think it was the Rockies that were really far. Only reason I remember that. Because you made all those trips. Because I made those trips. Yeah. Yeah. It was the get up at six thirty and take the bus ride two and a half hours. Have the sandwich on the bus. That was me. Plesco didn't want to go. So it was Kevin, which I was fine with that. At least I got to start. Yeah. The worst thing is, is when the starter doesn't go. Oh, I know where this is going. you go and somebody else starts. That's not even plays the position that you play. That's the worst. You had that happen? It's, oh, absolutely. It'd be like going for me. I go, Vladdy doesn't go on a long trip. Kevin Biggio goes, he starts instead of me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like that's we're taking those are the worst. We're like taking Barker. We're taking Barker on the trip, but here we're going to uh, see if we can I, experiment with chat. this pitcher at first base. You talking ready to go down to the minor leagues? Because I know in the minor leagues I'd play every day. Yeah, yeah, I was ready. You'd rather do that, and I don't even think there's meal money anymore. So why even go? Right? It's like, am I making this team or not? <laughs> it's like there's no more meal money because you know how much the meal money was every week. That was the whole point. Can you last an extra week to get all that money? I think it's like I don't know seven or eight hundred bucks, which is a lot of money that you can make in spring training a week, and now you don't even make that. So that's kind of cool stories. Everybody's got their own story, mm-hmm. and every story is different depending on who you are and how much money you make. You can sugarcoat it and spin it any way you want to spin it. It's about how much money you make. The more money you make, the more established you are. It's more of a vacation. I'm working on it. I'm going to get my work in instead of the results on the field. And it's like... You know, I, I'm sure Brandon Belt's going to go and try. He's on a new team. You want to impress. You want to try. I'm like, he's trying to be in one of those big spots up front of the lineup. So it's intriguing. It's fun to talk about. Well, if you want to make a lot of money in Major League Baseball, you want to call Steve Cohen. No question. The owner of the New York Mets. Because he'll he'll just give you money. I mean, he just will. I, I bet right now, Lance, get Steve Cohen on the line. Do you think he'd answer? Ask him for a million bucks. I bet he gives him a million bucks. Tim Britton is the Mets reporter 
with The Athletic. Uh, his article today on The Athletic about the Mets payroll and the spending, it is the, it's not just the talk of the offseason. You're hearing a lot of discussion around different, different camps this year about the Mets spending, about spending in general in baseball. And yes, it is. It's an old story. Every year, somebody's spent too much money and everybody's worried about it. But this year, there are a bunch of factors that are kind of conspiring. The commissioner's office has struck an economic committee. There is concern at some ownership levels about where the game is going economically. As I said in the first part of the show, when you strike a committee, it Uh ain't good. No. Nobody needs a committee when things are going well. You need a committee when things aren't going well. So we'll talk to Tim Britton about the New York Mets. I'll get a chance to take another shot at Buck Showalter for something stupid that he did yesterday. It's genius. And, and we'll get to talk about the Mets themselves. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and as always, where you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, you know, listen, that's part of my consideration. And, you know, I I made a commitment to the fans, right? And it wasn't a short-term commitment. You know, when I do something, I don't do it halfway. Okay, I mean, I, when I'm in, I'm all in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't accept mediocrity well. And so I have a certain high expectations. And it, you know, if it requires me to invest in this club, then I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, certainly is. That's New York Mets owner Steve Cohen, whose uh, team has a $340 million payroll. Oof. Um, <laughs> it's luxury tax payroll which is calculated in the average annual value of player contracts rather than what a player makes in a specific year. It includes player benefits, et cetera. It sits just below $375 million. Uh, our next guest, Tim Britton of The Athletic, uh, has done a, a tremendous job breaking down the Mets payroll. I'm looking at this uh, story again. Let's bring Tim on. Tim, thanks for joining Kevin and myself and oh, thanks I, for having me on. the number is, yeah, yeah, the, the number is the number, but I'm looking at this part. How have the Mets built this roster? Guaranteed contracts, 300 million arbitration, 21 million pre arb, 0 million. That is mind blowing that you could have a payroll like this. And it's essentially all guaranteed free agent money. Like that is, that is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a, a few years that have pushed the Mets into this spot. You know, that by the time opening day comes, they're likely to have a few, you know, maybe two or three pre-arbitration players. Their, their starting pitching depth is pre-arb guys. Their back end of the bullpen is probably going to be a couple pre-arb guys. But you compare that, you know, I looked, I think the Oakland A's are, are slated to have about 17 pre-arbitration players <laughs> on their opening day roster. The Pirates, 12 or 13. You know, it's... The, the Mets haven't had the farm system over the past couple of years to supplement their big league roster. You know, they traded a lot of those guys away. Uh, you think of the Edwin Diaz Robinson Cano trade. They traded a couple pieces away. They traded for Marcus Stroman to Toronto. They traded a couple pieces away. Guys who, who might be part of the roster right now, were they still around? And so, you know, with, with the change in ownership with Steve Cohen coming in, his plan has been to follow kind of what the Dodgers did when, when Guggenheim Partners bought them in 2012, which is while we take a few years to build out the farm system, 
let's sign a bunch of guys in free agency. You know, the Dodgers made that big trade with the Red Sox bringing Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and a couple other guys, but their payroll doubled in a year. Uh, the Mets are, are essentially following that blueprint with the idea that, you know, in a few years we'll have young players to, to fill in, but they, they just aren't there yet ready to do that. Now, this comes at a time when you know, Major League Baseball is dealing with, you know, several issues. Um, I mean, I, there's still sort of a carryover from COVID. Uh, you know, the regional sports networks are, are, are in a mess right now because of the bankruptcy of the, I think it's Diamond, uh, in, in the States. But the regional sports networks are in a mess anyhow. We know that the commissioner has, has struck an economic committee, and I'm, I'm, I'm always of the opinion, Tim, I don't know about you, but I've covered enough labor wars that I'm, I'm of the opinion that whenever anybody strikes a committee, it's never good. Nobody strikes a committee to say we're doing things well. I, look, are, with the money he's spending, are we getting to a point where this is going to become an issue for other owners and then trickle down to the Players Association as well? Because ultimately, I, I look at this and, and I just keep seeing the phrase salary cap and salary floor. I keep seeing those two phrases flash in my mind. And gosh, we're second year in the new CBA. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things here with the timing of, of Cohen's spending spree this past off season is it is just the second year of the new CBA. It's not like, you know, if, if the CBA were up after the season, I think you would expect a pretty harsh counter reaction to this kind of spending to put in harsher penalties for going over the luxury tax. But since you know, the new CBA came in, and that's solid penalties were going to be, and then he decided, okay, now I can go over them to the extent that I want to. You know, my colleague, Evan Drellick at The Athletic, has done a really good job on the labor perspective. He's got a story on the, that economic reform committee. I think the issue is, and, and this goes back to what happened in, in 1994 with, with the salary cap, is you're, you're starting to see maybe some smaller, smaller market or smaller revenue owners getting you know, pitted against the bigger revenue mm-hmm. owners, guys like Cohen. You know, Peter Seidler in San Diego now uh, is, is another one. I, I think owners might be even more miffed at what he's doing because he's, he's not in a traditional big market uh, with, with a huge revenue coming in. So I, I think you're starting to see a little bit of fracturing among the ownership group. And, you know, to get any CBA passed, they need 23 of those 30 owners to agree on something. Uh, and I think the, the, the Economic Reform Committee is an early attempt to make sure, you know, when we get to 2026, 2027 and, and the next CBA, that the owners are on, they have enough owners on the same page that whatever package they, they agree to with the PA can be approved. Tim, you think there's a cutoff number, right? It, he he might have signed Correa. It would have been close to $400 million. Is there a cutoff number for him? Is there a number that he says, I will not go past this number? You know, I, we haven't found it yet. Uh, certainly, going into this offseason, uh, it was clear that if the Mets, you know, coming off a 101-win season, if they wanted to have a, a really good team again, they were going to have to spend considerably more than they did last year. Cohen said toward the end of last season, now you should be able to build a pretty good team for $300 million, which the 2022 Mets did. But to bring back a lot of those core pieces, Edwin Diaz and, and Brandon Nimmo, and, and you know, to replace Jacob deGrom, they had to extend to, to where they are now. You know, the, the real interesting test of it will be this winter when you have Shohei Otani, obviously. You have Manny Machado. Uh, you have a couple pieces. You know, the Mets have to, to extend Pete Alonso long-term in the next couple of years. Uh, Max Scherzer and Justin Berlander are only here on a short-term basis, and the Mets do not have a top-tier pitching prospect coming up in the next couple of years. You know, Cohen has made it very clear that, look, the blueprint is we're going to spend now, and then player development will supplement the roster later to where we don't have to spend quite this ridiculously. But, you know, we don't know how long that now is. is, uh, Will the next wave of players be ready in 25, 26, 27, or is it going to be a little while, even longer than that? 
where they have to spend this amount of money. So Shohei Otani is probably going to be available this offseason. Uh, dare I ask, and I know you, your article you point out there's, you know, Pete Alonso's got to be paid. Uh, dare I ask whether there's, whether the Mets will at least make, I mean, I would think they'd have to make a call on Shohei Otani. Wouldn't they just, just as, as, as part of good management? But is there a chance that at all, do you think, Tim, that they go after Shohei yeah. Otani? I mean, I think they're definitely going to go after him. You have to remember the Mets general manager is Billy Epler. He's the guy who signed Shohei Otani yeah. in Anaheim. The That's guy right. who's really as responsible for him ending up an angel than anyone else. And so, you know, it's interesting that this offseason they signed Kodai Senga, uh, a pitcher from, from Japan as well. Uh, and so they've kind of set themselves up if they want to go to a six-man rotation, which is what you need if you're going to pitch Shohei Otani. They've set themselves up to do that next year if they wanted to. So I, w- I would expect them to go uh, really hard after Otani this offseason. You know, I don't know. I think the, the question mark is whether Otani would be willing to play on the East Coast. Uh, I think the Mets could probably do as good a job as any team outside of California in convincing them that it would be worthwhile. Uh, but that's going to be a story that, that obviously it hangs over the Angels for a lot of the year, but it's also a specter here in Mets camp. Tim, is there a worry for this team this year for the New York Mets? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at them uh, on a roster that won 101 games last year. You don't know that they're necessarily that much better than last year, and they're in a mm-hmm. division where uh, Atlanta won the division last year with 101 wins and added a, an all-star catcher in Sean Murphy. Philadelphia went to the World Series and added Trey Turner. I know they don't have Bryce Harper for the first part of the season, uh, but you know, if you're looking at the National League, like this isn't the NL Central. You know, you're going to have to win probably 100 games to win the National League East. Uh, so there's every opportunity here that the Mets are going to have a, a really good season again. Uh, they're going to win close to 100 games, maybe even a little bit more, and they're still going to be in a three-game wildcard series uh, like they were last year with San Diego with a good team. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think the idea that they, you know, this isn't like you go into the, the 2000 season with the Yankees spending so much more than everyone else, and they're just, you know, head and shoulders above every other team in the league. I think, you know, coming into this year, the, the Mets, the projection systems uh, have the Mets either slightly ahead of Atlanta or even I think the Vegas odds that I've seen have Atlanta as the favorite uh, in the NL East. So as, as much as they're spending, uh, Atlanta has all of that, lo- that young talent locked up long-term that looks really good for the next couple of years. Tim, who's the most important player for the Mets this year? One guy. Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably Pete Alonso uh, because mm. this is a lineup that uh, last year relied a lot on kind of clustering hits together uh, you know, taking advantage of poor defenses. Alonzo's really the one power threat in that lineup. Uh, and he, he filled that role really well last year. But if, if he slumps, but he has a tough year, uh, the way he did for, you know, <laughs> the brief 2020 season, the way he did a little bit in 2021, uh, then this lineup is not as, you know, can't be as good as it was last year. Uh, you know, they had a lot of guys who had really good years last year, a lot of guys who were healthy for all of last year. Uh, I would expect them to go through a little bit more offensive adversity this year, especially if Alonzo is not as good as he was last year. Tim, listen, really good Mm -hmm. of you to join us. Uh, Terrific insight and terrific work in the article, as always, my friend. Thanks again. Have a great spring. Thanks, Tim. Oh, thanks so much. You too. Tim Britton is a Mets reporter with The Athletic. Uh, Buck Showalter, by the way, yesterday. Uh told reporters that some of the workouts might be closed to them because they're going to be working on some special things. Yeah, you have to. Defense mm-hmm. with with no shift and everything like that. Um, I, wonder if we're gonna, I wonder if we're going to see... The right I wonder field. if we're going to see more of that. Uh, really? My well, players like, better than your players? It, re- I, it, I, remind, it reminds me of covering... The Rays can do that. So it reminds me of covering 
going to an NFL team's practice. And the Buffalo Bills, like the last time I went to an NFL team's practice was the Bills. And they have days where what they do is the practices are closed. Then they open the doors for the media. And you can basically go in and walk around the practice. Don't stop. You got to go in and walk around the practice facility. And, of course, by that point, guys are, like, sitting there and they're mm-hmm. doing some weights and da da, da. And basically, you go around, you kind of scribble down on, you know, a little ice pack on uh, Josh Allen's and even, and I mean, you know, I mean, it is the NFL, so everything is like it's 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 a nuclear code, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, whereas baseball, uh, generally the workouts are, are accessible, and the rule I always followed in spring training, my friend Michael Farber pointed out, is because there's a lot going on. There's like eight fields, all sorts of stuff going on. How do you go about covering it? He said, just follow the manager. Because if the manager feels he needs to see something, chances are pretty good there's something going on. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's something that's interested him. So you, you, you do have that, and you have, you have a lot of access. Uh, I think Buck likes things. the attention, too. I think he does these things for a reason. Like to draw a little does. bit of attention to his team, to himself. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Depends on where you're the manager, who you're the manager of. Yeah. I think no, there's a little I, something listen, to no, that. I'm, I'm, I, I was, think it's a little eye wash for looking, me. I was looking at it from kind of a tongue-in-cheek point of view. But, but look, I've got, I've got to tell you this. Um, there, there are we, – we know Eric Neander, the, 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 the Rays GMs talked about. Yeah, they're trying to figure out how they can go about yeah, sure. gaming the shift. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there are some things they think they can do that that are just straddle the letter of the law. Mm. Well, you already know you're going to see teams that have three outfielders and right field are going to leave the entire side no open. You know that. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to see Jays that. Jays are going to do that. Jays are going to do that. With Absolutely, Maryfield. no question. Um, but yeah, I just found it kind of interesting that that the suggestion was made that show Walter that some of the workouts reporters wouldn't be able to. to Maybe see just him. doesn't like the reporters. Maybe that's it. Buck likes reporters. This is a man who literally cries at the sight of an empty notebook. Yeah, he likes his reporters. Mm. Anyhow, uh, terrific insight from Tim. There Great you go. Stuff. Shohei Otani, no problem. He's a Dodger. I'll sign him. Dodgers are awfully quiet this year. Yeah. The reason for it. They're that. laying low. Oh. So we mentioned this that uh, yesterday, and we'll do this throughout the year. We're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna take calls this year. Uh, maybe more than we did last year. Of course, Kevin and I, myself, will be doing Blue Jays talk again this year, so we'll be taking calls after your your games, or after games. And uh, once the show expands to two hours, whenever that is, we'll try to figure out a way to incorporate more calls. But I did ask on social media yesterday, uh, I, I, I asked the question, what is who do you think is the most significant uh, Blue Jays acquisition? And I've kept the running tab up till now. We got a ton of responses, and I again, I apologize if I don't get to all of them. But I, I'm I'm doing the numbers right now. There it is. I, it's really close. Like I, I, a lot of Chris Bassett, obviously, because a lot of people, Kevin, are with you on the on the uh, on innings the innings pitched. on mm-hmm. the innings pitched, and mm-hmm. rightly so. A couple of folks said Chad Green if he's healthy, if he can come through in August and hurt. September. Mm-hmm. But man, I got to tell you, a lot of people are kind of with me in that. They look at uh, they they think Dalton Varsho has to have a bigger year for this team than Brandon Belt. Like a lot of people seem to have. More, and maybe that's because of his reputation as a good defensive player too. That there seem to be some more expectations for for 
Dalton Varsho than, than I, Brandon I, Bell. I guess I think Vladdy has to be a little bit better. I think I'm Bo talking about new. But I'm talking about new year. players, new acquisitions. I know, I what are the best things, acquisitions? I think Springer has to stay on the field. If those three things happen, it makes it easier for guys like Belt and Varsho, Kiermaier to just come in and sort of fill in the blanks. Not think they have to carry a team or an organization. I think it, for me, it's Chris Bass. Now, I think with what you don't know with Barrios doing all the things, mm. you say Kikuchi. Where's the depth at? One of the big guys go down. Chris Bassett, for me, Phil. is the guy that the five pitches and what he needs to bring when it comes to quality and how much of the quality, he's a big deal for them. Phil Gossard had an interesting angle in this. Phil, thanks for the uh, DM and, and for the kind words as well. He said, I think the easy answer is obviously going to be Varsho, Belt, or Bassett. But I think Eric Swanson's success will be crucial for the Jays. Not only is he the swing and miss guy that they need out of the bullpen, mm. but the fan base and media will tear apart the Jays for trading Teoscar for him. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the Jays fan base is necessarily is necessarily like that. I'm trying to think of an. I'm sure there'll be an example recently. I mean. Josh, people were mad when Josh Donaldson left, but it, it, it's it's not like they developed a hatred for for the guy that came in to replace him, or, or even the guy was he, he was acquired for. I mean, it was it was Julian Merriweather, right? And I mean, Julian Merriweather was hardly ever around. But that's an interesting point because we talked about how important Teoscar was to this team. Teoscar, I'm not going to get into the whole clubhouse thing and all that and dugout stuff because I think a lot of that is eyewash to bore your phrase. I. I don't think the Jays players are going to go and strike because they don't have Teoscar Getting dumping sunflower seeds on him. But he was benched. But I'm saying the whole how important he is in the dugout in the clubhouse. I mean, I got to tell you, I, everybody Robin liked him. Every, yeah, everybody liked him, but I, I never got anybody around the team suggest to me that he was this huge, important part of the clubhouse, and the clubhouse is going to fall apart without him. The but last anyhow, time you saw him, you hit two homers when it mattered the most. That's well, when you're going to miss him the most, I think. But but the, this is, I think, is Phil's point. You know, if, if Eric Swanson He's a, isn't, he, is just, it isn't a guy. I ain't going to be that. I ain't going to be that guy because we're two days into this show. He's a matchup guy. He is the manager and the pitching coach over there trying to figure out bat pass and when you're going to put him in a game. He ain't an eighth inning guy. He ain't a ninth inning guy. He ain't, he ain't a seventh inning guy. He's a guy, when these dudes are coming up, when's the split finger going to work the best? Mm -hmm. And that, again, is gets back to my point, and I've been making this point forever. It's the no-brainer thing. Yeah. Do they have any of those? Not really. So I get the point of it gives them better options than what they have in the minors because he's sort of been there and done it before. But that's, for me, the separation is from a good team to a great team. What? You need some no-brainers, and right now, for me anyway, they don't have those. Um, what are you expecting from Dalton Varsho? It's early. We haven't seen him play. But, that's but, a tremendous question. Don't, like, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, again, early days and all that. But from the second that deal was made, I liked it, and, and, I, and I look at that guy in this ballpark. I look at what he could offer this team. The fact that he's going to be here for so – like he, his, his service time is going to suggest that he – I mean, there's a chance. Let's say there's a chance he's around here longer than Vladdy or Bo based on his service time. What are your expectations for him? What would be a good year for Dalton Varsho in your mind? Um, win a gold glove, play 140 games. Yeah. Offensively, I – 
I'm not going to come on here and tell you no, that, that I have a crystal ball, fair. and I'm going to tell you doing it in Arizona and doing it in American League East on a team that's trying to win a World Series, they're two different things. Arizona was terrible. They they stunk. He ain't coming to a team that's stinking. He's going to be asked to do things offensively. Can he handle 0 for 15s, 0 for 20s? He's going to go through them. He's a left-handed Matt Chapman. I'll give you that. He stands still. He goes straight to the baseball. There's no trigger. That will say he misses a lot of balls, and fans are going to go throw their hands in the air. How do you miss that? You have to live with that. He's a young guy. He's trying to figure it out. He's an athletic freak. You can say that. He can run all over the place. He's going to steal your bases when he does get on base. It's the offensive thing consistently. How does the swing look? And will he try too hard? And a lot of that, I think, too, will be determined on where they put him in a lineup. Don't want to put him too low. You don't want to put him too high. You just want to put him. Let him just go in there and be himself and get some swag. Guy, he's he, been on our show. He got confidence. He ain't lacking in that, but he's got to get off to a good start. So I think this is where John Snyder comes in. You know, that sort of calming, just go be yourself. You hit fifth or sixth, go do your thing. That is it for us today. Uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan on Sportsnet 360. If you're listening via podcast, please rate, review. And our podcasts are usually posted about an hour after the show. DMs are always open. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. If you want to talk to me and if you want to talk to Kevin, I'll pass on even the good stuff to Kevin. Have a great day.